Are you ready for the latest Habs news, passionate debate, and in-depth analysis from hockey experts around the league? It's the most informative and interactive podcast about the Montreal Canadiens. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast, featured on allhabs.net, with your hosts, Joe Whalen and Rick Stevens. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Canadians Connection Podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. Uh, my name is Joseph Whalen, and I'll be your co-host for the next hour. Uh, this is episode 74 of the Canadians Connection Podcast, the Alexi Emelin edition. Um, and uh, I am usually joined by my co-host, uh, Rick Stevens. Um, I, I believe, though, we might be experiencing some technical difficulties, but I will say that he is the Alexi Emelin to my Sergei Kostitsin as we uh, att- attempt to uh, fix those technical difficulties, but I believe we might have him on the line. Hey, Rick, is that you there? All right. Um, don't know if we have Rick or not, but uh, we will just continue on as we usually do here on the Canadians Connection podcast. We will just get right into it with some recap of the week that was for the Montreal Canadiens. Um, so the Montreal Canadiens last week, uh, they played against the Carolina Hurricanes last Saturday night. Uh, Jeff Petrie scoring the overtime winner. And uh, that was after a uh, remarkable save uh, from Charlie Lindgren uh, with the cowhide crab, as our friend Brian Rogers would say, to send the game to overtime, robbing Andrei Svechnikov uh, at the end of regulation. Um, in that game, though, and this will be something that we talk about a little bit later on, the Montreal Canadiens had a 3-0 lead that did evaporate uh, by the end of the game. Uh, fortunately, things did turn out their way. Uh, Jeff Petrie, the game winner, as I said. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that would be a, a bit of a concern. Had the Canadians lost that game, it was, it was feeling like it was going to be, oh, here we go again, the Montreal Canadiens, unable to uh, hold on to a lead. But uh, that is, uh, fortunately, uh, it turned out that way for them. Um, I believe we have Rick on the line right now. Hello, Rick. How are you doing on this fine day? <laughs> I'm, I'm doing great. We're having some technical problems, but other than that, yeah. um, I'm doing really well and uh, glad to finally uh, join you uh, for episode yeah. number 74. I did say that you were the uh, the Alexi Emelin to my Sergei Kostitsin before moving on to recapping the uh, Carolina Hurricanes game last week, um, but I guess we'll we'll just keep going here. Um, the Montreal Canadiens after that game against Carolina uh, get by the skin of their teeth, Jeff Petrioti winner. They move on and they play against the New York Islanders and they win that one 6-2. to two. Uh, Rather impressive fashion for the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, Brennan Gallagher and Joel Armia both with a goal and an assist each. Um, however, that game it was kind of like the game was secondary after a really, really frightening event uh, involving Johnny Boychuk, where Arturi Lekkonen gets gets pushed down, and as he's falling, his skate comes up and it catches the eye of Johnny Boychuk. Fortunately, the eyelid caught it. Um, could have been a ca- catastrophic event 
but 90 stitches later, uh, Johnny Boychuk still has an eye. And uh, Lou Lamorello was talking to the media the next day and said that he is uh, doing fine. And he even found a way on social media to uh, to make make light of the event, which I mean, you it was it was really just a frightening, scary event that took place at Barclays Center. Um, but the Montreal Canadiens, uh, even after that, they get out of there with a 6-2 win and uh, they follow that up with a 4-0 loss to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Victor Hedman scored 49 seconds into that game, and, and that's kind of all you really need to know about how it turned out for the Montreal Canadiens. Um, but there was also the Shea Weber and Mikhail Sergachev uh, scuffle, um, and that sort of uh, drew a lot of attention on social media in the immediate aftermath. Uh, so, Rick, you have the 4-3 win over Carolina, where the Canadiens almost kind of give up another lead. And I said, we're going to talk about that a little bit later on in the show. You have the six, two win over the Islanders. And then you have the four, nothing loss at the hands of the Tampa Bay lightning. Uh, what do you take out of this week uh, for the Montreal Canadians? So there, there were some um, interesting storylines, um, you know, Charlie Lindgren um, uh, in, in against Carolina. Again, he had a good outing, on uh, New Year's Eve uh, against Carolina. He, he battled through that game uh, last Saturday. Um, we're going to see him tonight, and we'll, we'll preview that uh, in our third yeah. segment. Um, but that was a good storyline. Uh, Canadians winning um, uh, two of three games during the week. But, you know, um, I know there's still some, uh, some fans who are holding out hope uh, that, that – uh, uh, the teams might all collapse in front of them and they might squeak in, but um, it's looking like the Canadians are on track for about an 86, 87 point uh, season. Um, right now, 71 points in 69 games, 13 games left, eight of those on the road. Um, and, you know, we, we mentioned this early on that, that March wasn't lining up good uh, for the Canadians. And it's one of the reasons very early on uh, we, we said um, that uh, it's going to be really difficult for the Canadians in that they don't play, they play seven games against the, seven of the 13 that they have remaining are against the Western conference. So ideally you'd want games against um, your own conference and, and, you know, teams that are ahead of you um, uh, in order to, to, to catch up. They've got two games against the Sabres, which are behind them, seven against the Western conference. Uh, so there really isn't uh, an opportunity for them to, to make up any ground. Um, speaking of ground, uh, the ground shook a little <laughs> this week. Yeah. <laughs> um, in, in Montreal, it was, uh, uh, oh, I mean, on the, on, on the scale of things, it was a small magnitude, 3.3 uh, magnitude earthquake uh, early Friday morning. But because it happened, uh, I think 12, nine kilometers northwest uh, of the downtown, because it happened so close to city center, it uh, uh, th- there was a lot of Habs fans online about 3:22 a.m. on, on yeah. Friday, um, who are, were saying, "Gee, did something just hit my house?" Um, <laughs> so, yeah, no, uh, but no injuries, damage, uh, everything's good. Um, yeah. But that. Uh, uh, that welcomed in t- in Friday, and then we had some other um, uh, earth-shaking news that, that came out later that morning. But 
Um, yeah. It it was uh, it's it, it's I, I guess um, you know on after the game on uh, Thursday against the Lightning, uh, we saw a lot of Habs fans saying these these are these are going to be the tough games. We got a, a month of this going to be the tough games to watch games where they're not not really in it um they didn't Mm -hmm. seem in it they weren't you know i know the 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 players and the coach did the the usual thing talking about uh, not bearing chances Uh, they didn't have chances against tampa they weren't getting to the net they didn't they looked very much like a team out of the playoffs uh competing against a team that's uh priming for a long playoff run yeah, and obviously, given what happened to Tampa Bay last year, they're they're not coasting into the playoffs at this point in time. They are they are on a mission right now. They have something to prove after what happened last year with Columbus. So uh, it was not going to be an easy night, and it was not an easy night for the Montreal Canadiens. Um, but you mentioned, as as you said, about the the earthquake and uh, some news that did shake. Uh, Fan, the, the fan base to its very core and the NHL. Um, unfortunately, after last week when we had a podcast on February 29th, which was the birthday of Henri Richard, born on a leap year, um, or born on leap day, rather, uh, he unfortunately passed away yesterday morning. It was announced um, and uh, at the age of 84 after a long uh, or after a battle with Alzheimer's. Um, the Pocket Rocket won an NHL record 11 Stanley Cups, ranking first in games played with the Montreal Canadiens with 1,258 and third in points behind only Guy Lafleur and Jean Beliveau, and uh, the only other Montreal Canadiens player ever to have over 1,200 NHL games with the Canadiens was Larry Robinson. So he is in very uh, elite company when it comes to the Montreal Canadiens, when it comes to the NHL, having the league best 11 Stanley cups. He was, he's a legend in every sense of the word. And uh, yesterday in the immediate fallout of, of, of hearing the news, you had Kirk Muller and, and Claude Julian um, paying among others uh, teams, uh, the, the Detroit Red Wings paid tribute to him last night. Um, and uh, Kirk Muller and Claude Julian, Claude Julian saying that the pocket rocket was his dad's favorite player. Um, and, and there was just so much, praise uh so much respect being uh, showed to Henri Richard um unfortunately on the day that he passed away but uh Rick uh, I know that this is uh just just really heartbreaking news for a lot of Habs fans who you know were there in that time frame seen those Stanley Cups and uh really I mean when you hear what people say about Henri Richard he was just a a fabulous competitor on and an and and even better person by the sounds of it. Yeah, it's it's tough. I, you know, I've I've been um count myself lucky. I've been very fortunate to meet many of the Canadians legends over the years. Um there are a few few left Dick Duff if you're listening, would love to shake your hand. Um mm-hmm. Henri Richard is one that um I I I you know, I was I I saw him. I was I was in the same room. I I I, I didn't shake his hand. He was kind of that, um, as as you've mentioned and, and others have mentioned. He, he's an intense person, tenacious on the yeah. ice, uh, but seemed to be kind of a reluctant hero. Uh, you know, very modest, 
um, as others have said, a man of few words. He was kind of an understated legend. Um, yet, you know, this is the guy with 11 Stanley Cups, more than any other uh, player, not only the Canadians, in the NHL, in, in, in NHL history. It's unparalleled, the, the success, um, 11, and, and not only in the NHL. I mean, 11-time champion is, is kind of unique in, in any sport. Yeah. The only one he's compared to is, is uh, Bill Russell, who had 11 titles yeah. in the NBA. Um, and I just, I, I kind of thought about the uh, 100th anniversary game at the Bell Center, and, and it was, you know, I was, I was in seats behind the, one of the nets, and, and it was just a, it was a, a bigger-than-life moment with all the legends there, and, and Gordie Howe and, and John Beliveau and, and uh, Guy Lafleur and, and all of them, and um, the pocket rocket was was there, and 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 you know when he got his huge ovation, he was almost kind of shy. This this big smile appeared on his face, like oh, you know, you remembered kind of thing. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, it was. And and the, the the fascinating thing about that night is that they retired the number sixteen for the second time. Um, there was two um, uh, Jersey retirements on that night. One was Emile Bouchard, number three. Um, Ryan O'Byrne was there to, to help uh, raise that to the, the rafters. Uh, but the great Elmer Locke, uh, 91 years old, he looked spry as anything. Um, he also wore number 16, and it was retired on that night. And that number 16 of Locke joined uh, Honoré Richard's number 16, who had been retired, you know, just months after uh, after he retired from the game. Uh, but the, the interesting connection there, it, it, you know, Elmer Locke, after his great career, went on to be a coach, and he coached the Montreal Juniors. And it was Locke who uh, told a, a very young Honoré Richard, uh, uh, Richard that he was too small to ever make it to the NHL. Um and and his then his number sixteen joining it, it was it was that was that was a beautiful kind of moment and connection there, and of course then as as everyone has said he went on to win eleven Stanley Cups he had five cups together with with uh, the Rocket with his brother, um, uh, you know it, it uh, just an absolutely incredible career became an ambassador for the Canadians, um, and just um, you know one of those those people that, um, you know, probably deserves a little bit more attention, um, yeah. than he's given. Um, you, you had state funerals for the, for the rocket and, and Jean Bellavo, this will probably be a more private affair, but it shouldn't diminish the significance that he had on the, on the Canadians and on the sport of hockey. Um, uh, oh, there was um, Bob Gain. You know, Ken Dryden is very eloquent, but Bob Gainey is as well. And and uh, I saw uh, a quote posted uh, um, by Bob Gainey about Honoré Richard, and and Bob Gainey said uh, uh, the Pocket Rocket was an intense, very quiet leader when being that was okay. He was humble when being that was okay. He had the competitive fire to battle against bigger and stronger. And, and he succeeded. He was his own person, which was a daunting task considering who he's had to follow. 
his brother, of course. Yeah. Um, and at the tavern, which he operated after he retired, sitting with friends and teammates, talking, rem- reminiscing, bantering, Henri's eyes would sparkle. He had a deep, distinctive laugh and seldom, if ever, spilled a drop of the golden liquid while doing so. He was a great person and a great player. Yeah. And that's just incredibly well put, as you said. Um, and yeah, it's it's great that, you know, obviously those there are those mourning the loss as as you do, but uh, also celebrating the life of Henri Richard as well, and and the legacy that he leaves behind as a fiery competitor, but as Bob Gainey said, there just somebody that was known for his personality, for his demeanor, and uh, yeah, also never spilling a drop. Uh, <laughs> good, that's good Canadian values right there. Um, but uh, we'll we'll move on and um, we'll discuss a little bit of what happened uh, around the NHL this this week and of course the GM meetings taking place and Gary Bettman uh, met with the media to discuss a couple of different things. Uh, we'll we'll start off with the salary cap, which is expected to increase. Uh, it'll be between eighty four and eighty point two million. So that is of note as we head towards you know as the off season draws ever closer. Uh, rule changes. Uh, this is an interesting one because, of course, uh, there was the emergency goalie, the backup emergency goalie that was been on everyone's mind with uh, with David Ayers. Uh, that is not expected to change. Uh, GMs were were uh, okay with the rule and decided that, that that one's all right. But there will be a change in the application of the offside rule, uh, which is uh, you know that's that's another one that has become a little bit uh, controversial over the past couple of years. And, and with coaches challenge, you often see a coach uh, challenge a play for being offside. So perhaps it was uh, the time to address that uh, specific rule. But, but Rick, what do you make of the salary cap and those rule changes before we get into another thing that Gary Bettman uh, addressed in his press conference? Yeah, I think uh, as far as the salary cap, he, he gave, he gave a range. <laughs> yeah. And it's, <laughs> you know, we remember last year that it it turned out to be lower than expected, yeah. and and GMs found out just be well right at the draft, um, and it makes it tough for them to do any kind of advanced planning, um, and so I hope that that uh, they can move to a system that there can be uh, a bit more advance notice to allow some some planning to take place and uh for as with respect to the Canadians of course we know they're not a a cap spending team anyway but but it would be nice to see them get uh, uh get closer as far as the the emergency backup goaltender um a, a little surprised uh Elliot Friedman yeah. saying he was a little surprised that that nothing kind of came of that and i think it's it's because um <laughs> The NHL kind of figures they dodged a bullet, right? That, yeah. Um, uh, they they argued that it doesn't happen happen that often. They got good press out of it because it actually made it to the to the uh, news level, at, especially in the states, and and they got some good press out of it. So for now, they're not going to touch it. But I think this is one that's going to be um, reviewed again because. Um, uh, th- there's too much on the line uh, yeah. for, uh, you know, that could have gone very wrong. And, and, and the NHL was, was panicking a little, let's say, um, because we read that uh, Coley Campbell um, had uh, called Don Waddell uh, after 
David Ayers had let in those two goals and said, "Really, really, can 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 one of the other guys not go, please? Can can you bring can you bring Reimer or Morazic back, please?" Um, so we know that the <laughs> NHL was kind of well, really, it kind of panicking. Yeah. Um, uh, the other interesting point, and I think this came from Elliot Friedman's piece, was uh, what would have happened if if David Ayers got hurt, um, you know, not not necessarily in shape and, and all that, if, if the, the, the Leafs had uh, um, offered a bit more offense. And uh, they said that they would have had the, the option to go with six skaters uh, or to take one of their players and put them in goal. And that, of course, reminds us of Connor Crisp, who uh, as a forward yeah. uh, in an OHL game suited up as a, as a goaltender. Um, uh, way back when, but um, yeah, that 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 I think this is something, and 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 I guess um, you know maybe maybe Kay Whitmore will be involved more in um, setting standards for uh, a little bit more stringent standards for the emergency back yeah. tender. Yeah, and like we were we were discussing last week, had that gone the other way. And as you said with Colin Campbell, had that gone the other way, the optics would not have been great with the Leafs beating someone that is an employee of, you know, their minor league team. It would not have been great. So, um, but it was a good story. And yeah, I guess it's, it's hard to, uh, hard to blame the NHL at point given everything that just came out of it. But if that happens again and it doesn't go quite that way, you'd have to think that it would be uh, something that crosses their mind then. Um, But yeah, Gary Bettman then, uh, touched on the coronavirus, and of course, this is something that uh, is becoming, uh, you know, ever present, and it's becoming a little bit more um, of a concern worldwide. And uh, we just, before we came on air, found out that the IIHF had actually canceled the Women's World Championship that was set to take place in Halifax and Truro. Um, so now um, the NHL. Uh, has said that their league office in New York has banned business travel outside North America. Personal travel is still okay, but if you go to one of the places that's affected, then when you come back, you have to be quarantined for two weeks. Or if while you were there in a place that hasn't been affected yet and it becomes affected and joins the list of places that are on the NHL's current list, uh, then you you would have to be quarantined for two weeks to see if symptoms occur. The NHL, uh, Gary Bettman has said that NHL teams are free to adapt as much or as little of this policy as they wish. And, uh, of course, throughout the uh, the other sports leagues, uh, the NBA has been a little bit more strict on this and has even told teams to be prepared for potentially playing games without fans in the arena and maybe without media in the arena. So the NHL, by comparison, seems to be a little less um, you know, uh, strict about this particular, at this point in time, it's ever changing. We don't know really what's going to happen, but I mean, as of this moment in time, Gary Bettman seems to uh, be putting the onus on the specific teams and how much or how little they want to, uh, to use that policy that, that they've, that they've enforced at the uh, NHL league office. Well, it's certainly, um, a serious issue, and, uh, yeah. and in fact, we had we had a message uh, asking us to, to to talk about this issue on the podcast. Yes. Given that um, you know fans are wanting to know what are teams doing about this, how should we conduct ourselves? 
And, and you know, the, uh, Elliot Freeman uh, reported that uh, one of the execs was, in quotes, spooked about the whole thing. And, uh, you know, um, Gary Bettman's response was a bit um, underwhelming, I'd have to say. He said that, you know, we're aware of all the possibilities. If something happens, we'll react to it. Well, that's exactly what you don't do with something like uh, a, a pandemic. You don't react afterwards because then it's too late. Um, that's that's the real difficulty here, and you want to see organizations being proactive. Now, as you said, they're, they're uh, limiting travel, but uh, will teams limit travel for their scouts? Um, and and that's that's going to be something that apparently has been left to each and every team um, the teams have said, uh, at least some of them have said it's business and as usual until they find out different from the league, they're looking for leadership from the league. And at yeah. this point, they're not getting it from, um, from Gary Bettman. Uh, although I, I see that Elliot Friedman is uh, yeah. just reporting that um, starting today, uh, the NHL will close dressing rooms to media uh, on the recommendation of the CDC uh, to stop the spread, um, you know the NBA is doing doing things, and I think I think you had some some info on on uh, steps that they're recommending to their teams and players. Yeah, and it just comes down to minimizing you know contact between the players and the fans, not taking pens, sharpies, whatever it might be from fans, and uh, it seems like they have really come down on this and they are prepared to potentially play games. Now, LeBron James said that he wouldn't want to play a game without fans in the arena. But I mean, at the very least, uh, it's, it's something that's crossed the league's mind. And at this point in time, as, as Elliot Freeman just said, is joining the NHL is joining other sports leagues that have already sort of made this um, sort of a, a condition. Um, it's, it's really, uh, it's really interesting. And as I said, just a few moments ago, it is ever changing, and it's something that we are going to have to keep monitoring going forward, as, as Gary Bettman um, sort of said there. But I think that you might see a few more restrictions, or you know, some more um, attempts to try to you know uh, slow down the spread uh, of this virus. But uh, something to monitor going forward. Yeah, for sure. Well, and, and, you know, as, as, uh, Bob McKenzie said, the, the IIHF uh, calendar, uh, for March is pretty well wiped clean. Um, they yeah. have, uh, announced, uh, a lot of under 18, uh, championships, um, that, uh, that have been canceled. Six of those, the, the, the women's, uh, uh, world championships, uh, been canceled. We're waiting to see what happens with the, uh, um, uh, tournament in uh, um, uh, Plymouth, Michigan, um, and Ann Arbor. That's the under-18 World Championships at, uh, in mid-April. Um, that that's kind of on notice that that it might be canceled. Um, the the World Championships themselves, the World Men's Championships, are being held in Switzerland. We know Switzerland is among one of those countries that says that um, events uh, over mass gatherings of events should be canceled. So that's another. Um, And, you know, Gary Bettman had said that, that this might be, there might be different rules for different regions. And and we see uh, the outbreak uh, of 20 cases in Santa Clara County and 
course, uh, that affects the San Jose Sharks. Uh, the Sharks have said they will um, – uh, don't worry, because they do a, a, a rigor, rigorous cleaning <laughs> um, procedure after each game, and, and um, uh, you know I've been in some, I've been in a lot of arenas, a lot of arenas, and, and the first thing I thought of was an arena like the anyone who's ever been to the Rico Coliseum or now it's called the Coca Cola Coliseum in, in Toronto where the Marlies play. That that building was built in 1920. And I guarantee you that there is a hundred-year-old urine in the men's uh, washroom. <laughs> I, I guarantee you, the smell will hit you uh, way before you get to the door. Um, so, I, I, you know, there's going to have to be something not to not to not to make light of it. Make light, but, but um, yeah, uh, there the, things are changing, and uh, I expect we're you know this, this is going to have. Uh, an effect on the, this may have an effect on the NHL's revenue. Uh, playoff uh, money is very lucrative for both the league and and teams, and and that may indeed affect the salary cap that we were talking about uh, to open this this little part, this topic. Yeah. Well, yeah, like uh, like we said uh, just before we even started this conversation, I said that this is an ever-changing situation. Elliot Friedman tweets that the NHL is closing to media. This is very rapidly uh, becoming a bigger story. And uh, I guess we'll keep you posted as, as everything, you know, sort of how it affects the NHL. And, and yeah, you might be right on it with the playoffs and revenue. And that, that could be a, that could be a determining factor in the salary cap. Um, but Rick, we'll move on very quickly to some injury notes, some transactions that have taken place for the Montreal Canadiens make this very difficult transition from talking about something uh, so serious as the coronavirus. But um, Tomas Tatar, uh, he was uh, been dealing with an upper body injury. So he returned to Montreal, did not take part in their game against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, Brendan Gallagher in that same game was dealing with the flu. Um, so he did not go either. Uh, Lucas Vedemo was recalled to uh, to play because of the Tomas Tatar injury and him being sent back to Montreal. And down in Laval, um, you have uh, Jesse Yelonen, who is joining the club, uh, who is not quite ready to go yet. Um, but they are also dealing, the Laval Rocket, with some injuries with Jesperi Kotkaniemi and Ryan Paling, uh, both currently out. So, I mean, this is a year that we've talked about the injuries for the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, it hasn't affected them as much as other teams, but they have been dealing with some uh, injury trouble. And uh, I think when you look at what's going on down in Laval right now, that might even be a little bit more uh, concerning at this point, given the concerted effort on behalf of the Montreal Canadiens to get them into the playoffs. Uh, but without Jesperi Kanyemi and Ryan Paling uh, right now, it's it's going to be a little bit more difficult. Um we don't know the extent of Kakanyemi's injury. Um, he mm-hmm. uh, went out mid-game last last night in in against. They were in Cleveland uh, against the Monsters. Um, he seemed to be targeted all night and took a hit, um, uh, awkward kind of hit. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Paling didn't travel to Cleveland, um, and uh, we're not quite sure how long he's going to be out. But uh, yes, uh, absolutely affecting. And and Konkademi had been um, uh, playing uh, quite well. Oh uh, yeah. Had um, uh, eleven assists, I think, and it, and it had scored his uh, uh, first goal in the first game. They had a two-game set in Cleveland. Scored his first AHL goal uh, into an empty net. Uh-huh. Um, 
to yeah to to uh, uh, get that underway. So uh, we'll we'll um, we'll look to our our uh, AHL report team, uh, Amy Johnson and Chris G, uh, to give us updates on uh, on those injuries in Laval. Yeah, and you hope that Jesperi Kakinami is going to uh, be okay because man, he is. He's had a rough year on the injury front. Uh, it's not come easy for him, but, I mean, he was playing, as you said, some really good hockey for the Laval Rocket and had just picked up his first goal. He'll take him, he'll take him any way you can get him. Uh, an empty net goal, that's still a goal. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> moving on, we had some comments from Mark Bergevin. We're going to get to very quickly before we move to the next segment, but uh, he's been doing a bit of a media tour, and it's come out that uh, – Claude Julien is going to be returning. This was after an interview with uh, Renaud Lavoie, uh, who reported that Claude Julien will be the man behind the bench for the Canadians next year. And Mark Bergevin elaborated on that and a lot of other things in an interview with Elliot Friedman, who included this in his 31 Thoughts article. And uh, he said that, uh, well, it started off by asking Mark Bergevin his current you know, status as Montreal Canadiens general manager. It's been floated out that maybe he's... He's not quite liking his job at the moment, but Mark Bergevin disputed that, saying, I love my job. Uh, And then he went on to say, regarding his coach, um, it's clear to me it's not a coaching issue. Um, There is some blame to put on my shoulders. The coaches aren't free of it, but it also comes on the players' shoulders. Um, And uh, he said, plenty of, not blame, but adjustment that needs to be made for next year. And then when it was asked if the Montreal Canadiens would look any different next year, he said, it's hard to tell in March. And I know I'm going to sound crazy, but I like our team. When our team is playing to their optimum level and we're healthy, I believe our team is a playoff team. Um, And something else of note, he got calls on Petrie and Tatar, but he did not initiate those conversations. So Rick, there's a lot to unpack there, but did I mention the thing that you are most concerned about from that, segment of <laughs> of information well um you know i i think that the big news that came out this week uh was that that uh, claude julian's staying put and obviously if if mark bergevin is saying that that um claude julian is staying it's it's uh that had to be cleared with jeff molson and it kind of you infer from that 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 mark mark bergevin is safe as well um, you know, he said, it's clear to me that it's, it's not a, a coaching issue. Um, we just want to see a team that listens better and buys into the coach's message. Um, and, and the, the, the one quote, and, and this was in the, um, you know, Renan Lavoie is, is certainly a very friendly, um, uh, journalist to the Canadians. Um, uh, the quote in there, uh, was, uh, that Claude Julian, I like the way he leads young people, and my goodness, if uh, that seems to be, it seems to be really kind of tone deaf uh, there, because it's obvious that that Claude Julian has uh, has quite an issue. Uh, but in 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 all of the the um, interviews, this this media tour that he's done, he he he. Definitely, he says he doesn't like to point fingers, but he definitely points fingers at the players, talking about them not buying in, talking, saying that they need to take responsibility. Um, 
the message that the coaches are giving is, is the right one. They're just not uh, accepting it. Uh, talking about the players having a mental problem because uh, they can't play 60 minutes. Um, and, and going further and isolating and, and pointing the finger at specific players, and, and the one in particular is Jesperi Kotkaniemi, who we just talked to. I was really disappointed to, to hear Bergevin um, uh, question his work ethic, um, publicly trashing uh, Kotkaniemi and his work ethic. That that really reminded me of, of uh, what what both he and Julian did to Galchenyuk. Uh, and it seems that, that this is a really self-serving, self-protecting kind of posture that both of them are taking. Julian has been blaming the players for weeks with saying you know, yeah. he could put his gates on and do a better job. Uh, but this is this seems to be their default position. Uh, blame the players, um, and uh, I, I I don't like that part. And and also I, again we talked last week about this. Look to next year. Look to next year, uh, and it's been that way uh, quite a while now. And and um, Mark Bergevin uh, talked about, oh well next year you know I like our team, and next year we're going to have Romanov on the blue line. So. Uh, and, and, and fans should be excited about that. Um, I, I just happened to take a peek at um, Romanov's, uh, Romanov's team. Moscow is in the playoffs, and they have a 3 nothing lead in their first-round series uh, against uh, Torpedo. Um, but Romanov hasn't really been a part of it. He had uh, seven points in 43 regular season games, but... In the three playoff games, three playoff games, the first game he played nine minutes, nine and a half minutes. That's not much for a defenseman. Hmm. And then that was cut in third. Second game, he played three minutes. He had three minutes of ice time in game in game two. And if that wasn't a mistake, well, come back in game three, another three minutes. Um, yeah. You know, he's having trouble um, getting ice time in the KHL, and yet. Mark Bergevin, uh, who talks about expectations and saying expectations are, are, are tough in Montreal, he's placing big expectations on Romanov uh, to be a bit of a savior, help them on the left side of the fence uh, next year. Um, it's, it's, it's very, the whole media tour is very curious. And of course, on the entire media tour, he's been joined by um, the VP of communications, uh, Paul Wilson, even down in, in, um, at the Boca Beach Club in, yeah. in Florida for the GM meetings. <laughs> well, it's going to be an interesting off season to see uh, what Mark Bergevin does. Uh, he's going to be back next year. So is Claude Julian, and uh, we're going to discuss what's been the major factor in the shortcomings of the Montreal Canadiens this season, uh, following the news that both, uh, well, that both uh, Mark Bergevin and Claude Julian will be staying put. So stay with us here on the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. We are specifically interested in individuals who have education and or experience in the following areas. Sports writing, translation, editing, 
forum administration, social media administration, multimedia, graphic design, web development and user support, event planning, and sponsorship and marketing. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are located in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. And we're back here on the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. Um, and we're going to break and talking about Mark Bergevin and Claude Julian, who are staying put for next season. Um, things have not gone the way that they did last year. When the Montreal Canadiens had 96 points, they just missed out on the playoffs, but it seemed like it was a year that you build off of. The Montreal Canadiens have done anything but build off of last season, and there have been various, you know, sort of, reasons given as to why they have not had the same level of success, why they've had the shortcomings that they have had. But Rick, we've identified a couple of different reasons as to why the Montreal Canadiens are where they are right now. And I mean, with Mark Bergevin and Claude Julien putting varying levels of the blame on the players, I mean, who do you think, I mean, at this juncture, who do you think is to blame? Is it the GM? Is it the coach or the coaches plural the scouts is the owner is it the players I mean at this point it's it's really hard to say that it's on the players given that they are only going out and doing what they can with what they have um but but what do you think of of Mark Bergevin Claude Julian and and really does, does this extend beyond them does this go up as high as Jeff Molson well, that, that's the thing, and I think that um, there's a lot of talk on, on social media about, well, you know, how can you blame Julian because uh, it's, it's, uh, he can only uh, deal the hand he's dealt. It's the players that he's been given by Mark Bergevin, so it's Mark Bergevin's fault. And then the, the Bergevin apologists jump in and say, well, how can you blame Mark Bergevin because, um, you know, Jeff Molson doesn't uh, give him the – uh, the money to spend or, 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 um, you know, it's, it's only year two of this, this, <laughs> uh, this reset, you know, that's, that's the biggest, that's the dumbest argument I've ever heard that, that imagine, imagine any, anyone, any of us, any fan, um, you're pitiful at your job for six years and you go into your, your, uh, um, boss and he said you know 
this is terrible. You have a terrible record here. And, and they say, well, it's, it's okay. We're just going to press this little reset button and we're going to start again and, and clear the slate. Yeah. And, and, and it's only, you know, now it's the clock's uh, running again. We ignore everything that happened before. Um, and it, particularly when Bergevin's or what's called er, Bergevin's early success was a carryover from everything that he inherited. Um, yes. Uh, which is, which is sad. You you look at, at Claude Julian, we we've talked before about, um, you know, no playoffs in the last seven years. Uh, if you look at him uh, coaching a full season, um, his record, yes, he's, he's, he was a, a, a respected coach in the NHL. He, he brought his team and earned a Stanley Cup, uh, but that was a long time ago. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I think that there's, there's blame to be spread around. Um, there's blame for the GM. There's blame for the owners. There's blame for uh, the head coach. But I thought it would be fun just to look at the things that have been plaguing. Like, instead of speaking in generalities, let's get really specific here. Yeah, and let's 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 identify the things that went wrong this year that we know went wrong that are clear that went wrong, and who do you think is yeah. responsible? Who do you think is responsible? Um, so let's just let's just name a couple of those, and and uh, we each can can offer our opinions on on who we think's uh, responsible. We'll go through it kind of yeah kind of quickly uh, here. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean you got to start off with the third period collapses and the blown leads that have been a factor all season long. I keep citing November 23rd against the New York Rangers in the last couple of weeks. They had a 4 nothing lead in that game. It quickly became 4-1, but you had a 4-1 lead headed into the third period, and you couldn't close that game out. We see the New York Rangers a couple of weeks ago, same thing. Against the Vancouver Canucks, same thing. You have two two-goal leads. You're not able to close the door. That's been an issue all season long. The Montreal Canadiens, they have this inability to play with a lead. They have this inability to play a complete 60 minutes. And, you know, that's something that Claude Julien pointed out with the 40-minute, the, the comment about, well, we can't go out and, you know, we, we, we play 40 minutes. They can't play a full 60. I don't know what's wrong with them. We don't tell them to do anything different, but they just can't play a, a full 60-minute game. And I think that that has been probably – the biggest issue for the Montreal Canadiens this season is that they have not been able to play with leads. And um, I mean, you look at, and I think another factor in that is the fact that they give up so many goals at the end of periods that they can't go into a second period or second intermission with any sort of momentum. It's whenever it happens, I mean, regardless if it's the first period or the second period at the end of those, of those periods, it doesn't matter because the other team, regardless of what happened before, the other team is entering that intermission with all the momentum. And it just kind of puts you behind the eight ball to start the, the, the next period. So it's it's been those two things, I think, that you look at for Montreal Canadiens. When you look at specific games, that's that's been the major concern. Um, and I, I think that, that that's that's hard to overcome when you when you have a habit of blowing the leads the way the Montreal Canadiens do. Yeah, I, I think you can, as you said, kind of the, the third period collapses, the, the lost leads, the blown leads, the goals in the last two minutes of the period. And, 
And this isn't just, um, um, you know, anecdotal kind of information. The Canadians lead the league in these categories, yeah. in these <laughs> dubious categories. Um, and I, I, so, so where do we assess the blame? Well, it's clear that the Canadians, and we've heard this said uh, all season long, are a fragile team. So um, maybe they're not confident in their system. Maybe they, they're um, – um, so that would be on the coach. And I think, uh, you know, a, a very logical argument, uh, the blown leads, the goals in the last two minutes of the period, not being able to play right to the end, to, to the end whistle. Uh, those can be assessed on, on, at, uh, on the coach. Um, just that the, um, fragile team, the players are just not able to, uh, have confidence, uh, in, in what the coach is, is telling them. Um, or they're not confident in their teammates. They're not confident that, that, that um, you know, they, they do too much because they're not confident in um, the other players that are on the ice. And then that's, that's in the bailiwick of, of the general manager, that he doesn't have the right people on. That he hasn't, this is a poorly constructed roster. We've said that before. And so I think, I think those items can – Maybe maybe leaning more heavily towards the coach, but can be blamed on on both the coach and the GM. Yeah, and I think when you look at as well the fact that this is a team that lost four games <laughs> to the Detroit Red Wings, in addition to all the blown leads that they've had, and we almost saw one last week against the Carolina Hurricanes as well. This is not a team that is playing with a lot of confidence and to be able to go in and they blew a lead in the last game that they played against the Detroit Red Wings as well. You forget about that, but that happened too. The Montreal Canadians are just, it's something about them. And I think it has to be coaching at this point. And this is a conversation you see a little bit on social media now with, with people that are saying, you know, well, it's, it's hard to blame Bergevin and Julian. Uh, one of the other things that we might talk about might be the injuries uh, a little bit uh, in a little bit, but I mean, it's just been that amount. You've had this extended period of time where there hasn't been a whole lot of success. And, you know, there's been one appearance in the playoffs. That was 2017. But, I mean, other than that, you haven't been back to the playoffs now for it's two consecutive years, three consecutive years, four to the last five. It's not been a good stretch for you. You pointed out, Claude Julien, you have to go back to 2013-14, the last time he coached a season start to finish and made the playoffs. This is this is a bigger issue, and I don't like to advocate for people to lose their jobs, but when you look at Claude Julien, the fact that the Montreal Canadiens, how many times have we seen this season a bench miner for too many men on the ice? And you look at the special teams and the guys that he is choosing to throw out over the boards on a power play earlier this season, Nick Cousins and Jordan Wheel were getting more opportunities than the likes of Jesperi Kotkaniemi, who you would like to grow into that spot, ideally, to be a guy that you can throw out in any situation. And on the power play, he's actually got a, a pretty good shot. Like he's pretty low-key. Like No one really talks about it that often, but you can set him up in the slot. He's, he's got a good shot, and he wasn't used nearly as much as, as guys like Nick Cousins and, and Jordan Wheel, who are more of the bottom six forward type of guy that Claude Julien loves. He loves those guys. Um, you know, so those are the things that when you look at this season and it's, it's really difficult to talk about, you know, the idea of, of, you know, someone being fired, it's not fun to talk about, but I mean, 
when you look at this, I mean, you can't look at what's gone on this season and say that, that Claude Julian is, is the, co- is the right man for this job. I, I'm sorry. At this point that we, the things that we've seen this season, the opportunities that have gone more to those veteran type guys, the special teams, the special teams opportunities. I, I don't know if you can really look at this season and say that Claude Julian has, has really coached a, a good season for this team. I, I don't, I can't see that argument regardless of if you want to point to injuries, which relative to other teams around the Montreal Canadiens, it actually hasn't been that of a, that much of a depletion in terms of their man's games lost. So to me, I think that you are correct in saying this is something that falls on Mark Bergevin, something that falls on Claude Julian. And of course there, there's, there's blame to be had all over the place, but I think you have to start with those two. Yeah. I think that um, again, if you look at, at, um, and, and you look at the individual items, and, and you mentioned the record against the worst team in the league, the Detroit Red, Ring, Red Wings, that, that's unacceptable. That's, that has to be on the coaching staff. That's preparation. Yeah. That's poor prep, preparation or a lack of preparation. Uh, team, the team is not ready to play against the worst team. It, it's not that the Red Wings match up favorably or they're doing anything special. Um, that's, that's again, a fragile team and a lack of preparation. Um, you mentioned the, the bench miners, poor line changes. We've seen even when they don't result in a, in a, a bench miner bench miners, by the way, Canadians, uh, second worst, I think in the league last I checked. Yeah. Um, uh, but even when they don't, uh, the poor line changes, that's got to go against Julian and, and Dom Deschamps. Um, and maybe Luke Richardson. Um, that's 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 obviously a coaching issue. Um, the the special teams. I think you can you, you know with with the likes of of uh, of uh, Nate Thompson and and Arturi Lekkanen and and Phil Deneau, uh There's the the penalty kill should be better than it is. It has to be yeah. better than it is. That's got to be a coaching scheme. Um, that's that's at fault there. And, and again, we're looking at, at Luke Richardson um, with, with the, the, uh, uh, and it's good on the road, not good at home. That just might be, I mean, we know there, there are two things missing from the, the, the Canadians uh, power play. Uh, that is a scoring winger and a, a, um, a quarterback um, on defense. And those two things you know, uh, we look at, at Mark Bergevin's shopping list and has been for the last few years uh, a number number one defenseman on the left side to pair with Shea Weber. He's failed to bring that in. Uh, he's failed in his in entire uh, tenure over eight years to, to have a number one center. Uh, with all due respect to Phil Deneau, he's more like a third center. And, and that scoring winger, that sniper who... Uh, many thought, or at least Mark Bergevin thought it was going to be Jonathan Drouin, and, and uh, uh, that that just hasn't worked out. So, um, again, there's some shared blame there with respect to the, the coach and, and uh, the GM. Um, you look at, at um, you know, things like uh, backup goaltending. Um, I want to put 90% on the – on the uh, the GM with respect to that, <laughs> although um, some of the blame has to be shared by Claude Julien, who clearly he he 
it pains him to say anything nice about uh, Charlie Lindgren. He clearly has something against Charlie Lindgren. And, of course, Charlie Lindgren, even in very difficult uh, times, has, has proven that he is uh, he can be an NHL backup and, and certainly would be further along that um, that kind of uh, timeline if, if he had gotten more experience. Um, the injuries... Um, you know that uh, I know that's that's going to be used as an excuse. It just doesn't play out. If you looked at at man games, if you look at at the the, the amount of salary that's out of the lineup, if you look at um, the points lost uh, because of of injuries, the Canadians are right in the middle, right average in the middle of the league. Nothing special there to look at. Winnipeg, Columbus, Pittsburgh, all of those teams far more impacted by injuries um, and and they seem to be able to to manage um, fine. So the injury thing, if you want to if you want to talk about injuries, then you're talking about depth and that's a that's a, a, a Mark Bergevin issue. Um, so you know in all of these things um, are the are the players is it their attitude, is it their listening is it all of that, I, I just don't. I see that there's a lot of blame to be laid at the feet of, of uh, Bergevin and Julian, and maybe we'll get to um, Jeff Molson in a in a future show. Um, but um, this assessment that uh, this early assessment that uh, coaching's not an issue, and um, Mark Bergevin's kind of absolved himself too. Uh, don't really pass the smell test, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, I think that it's just been this kind of culmination of, of comments, first from Claude Julian that he was talking about, well, we can't put on, I can't put on my skates and do it for him and all this. You know, it was those comments that sort of started this. And then Mark Bergevin, he he just kind of jumped on that as well when he was talking with the media. So it's it's difficult to place, you know, the the majority of this on the players when the players are, by and large, I mean, you have a lot of guys on this team that are being asked to do more than they're capable of. And that's been the prevailing theme over the last number of years. And, you know, it's that at the end of the day, that falls on the shoulders of Mark Bergevin. Mark Bergevin, when he's constructing this team, Claude Julian, when he's coaching this team, you need to put guys in positions to succeed. And the Montreal Canadiens have not really done a great job of doing that. And that starts, I mean, you look at the left shot, uh, left side of the defense, uh, Ben Chirot was brought in, and Ben Chirot has played some pretty good hockey this season. But Ben Chirot isn't a top-two defenseman. He's being asked to do more than he is capable of. And by extension, you have behind him, well, it's now you have Brett Kulak, who's back playing top four minutes again, and Brett Kulak isn't a top-four defenseman. And it's it just kind of trails from there. And up front, I mean, I think that when you talk about the Montreal Canadiens, if it took only a handful of injuries to com- completely deplete their roster, well, then you're talking about depth and the Montreal Canadiens not having enough for a team that has put more stock to being a team that can roll four lines. They did not have the necessary depth this season to overcome. I understand Jonathan Drouin, Brendan Gallagher, Yoel Armia. Those are important players, but those are only three injuries that occurred and that was basically all it took to really just get this Montreal Canadiens team to you know fold so I I think that at the end of the day that comes back to not being well enough uh, a well enough constructed roster on the part of Mark Bergevin so it'll be uh, it'll be interesting anyways to see how 
he approaches this offseason, um, but he says that he likes this team, so I guess he wouldn't anticipate a whole lot of change uh, coming for next season. Um, but, Rick, uh, with, with all that said, I guess we'll take uh, another break here on the Canadians Connection podcast. When we come back, we will uh, tee up the game tonight against the Florida Panthers. As you said, Charlie Lindgren's going to get the start tonight. Uh, backup goaltending, which was a, a concern over the course of this season, perhaps. Charlie Lindgren gets another couple, uh, another few starts under his belt and looks as good as he did against Carolina, then uh, that won't be a concern next season. But uh, we'll be back. Stay with us here on the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked-out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends. Show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHab when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to ShowYourHab.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Hab fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us for further details and information regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. And we're back here on the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. You can follow me on Twitter at JoeWhalen19. You can follow Rick at AllHabs. And you can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, so, Rick, we are about that time that we uh, get ready for a game tonight. But before we get there, we uh, we have some people with some comments about where the blame lies. We have a story. We have a text as well. So I'll, I'll turn this over to you. But before that, I did mention off the top of the show that it's episode 74 of the Canadians Connection podcast, the Alexi Emelin edition. You weren't here to, as you often do, you weave things together <laughs> in such a, an eloquent way. So I'll turn it over to you. <laughs> well, well, we remember uh, Alexi Emelin um, for his, his thunderous hits. Um, yeah. But, I, you know, I wonder how many uh, remember that uh, when he was paired Alexei Emelin was paired with Thomas Caberlet, um, two completely different styles. 
mm-hmm. that um, someone, and I believe it was in the media, came up with a uh, a nickname for the duo. Okay. Do you, do you remember this? I think <laughs> I think called, I do. You know where it's going? They were called Kaboom. Yeah. Cobb yeah. for Caberlet and Boom for, for Alexi Hamelin, which was which was a fabulous um, uh, nickname. And um, it's, and and the tie-in here is um, we, we don't talk about our, our, our uh, All Habs Hockey Magazine YouTube account enough. You should go there um, and watch the, the uh, exclusive videos. But a video that, that um, Amy Johnson had put together years back it is is was one of the more popular videos, and it was about Emmeline and Caberlet pairing and and um, and them being called Kaboom. So it's pretty yeah. entertaining, and, and and you might want to check that out. In addition to all the other exclusive content yes. on our All Habs Hockey Magazine uh, YouTube account. And yeah, um, the wonderful video about the Penn State as well. That one was up there. I watched that. That was oh, yeah. that was wonderfully done. Yeah. He talked about that on the recent episode as well from the press box. That's right. And if, yeah. I mean, NCAA hockey is exciting hockey. The, the frozen four um, championships are coming up and, uh, you know, uh, coronavirus willing. Um, and uh, it's, it's uh, a great um, brand of hockey. And if you want to know more about it, how it compares to the kind of hockey you're familiar with, whether it's junior or, or some of the other levels. Uh, uh, watch, watch uh, Amy Johnson's report on um, yeah on the Penn State uh, hockey because uh, uh, yeah it's 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 unique. It's very unique. Yeah, you love that college atmosphere though. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. Rick, as we said, obviously this week people mourning the loss of Henri Richard. Uh, we have uh, our loyal listener and uh, oftentimes texter. <laughs> Le, uh, Le Petit Bill Dino, who uh, offered some of his memories of Henri Richard. He did. Um, yeah. And and several here. Um, we won't have time for all of them, but he um, he talked about, uh, let me see here, uh, 1971. Um, and um, Dino was just a child. Uh, he was nine years old, and he had two brothers, Johnny and Jimmy, seven and five. And uh, it was, um, as I said, 1971, um, Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final uh, in the Chicago Stadium. Um, and he said they got home from school, and um, all that they had, the family had was a, a black-and-white uh, television. Uh, but their neighbor, and neighbor by the name of Bob Farley, um, uh, saw them come home and said, come on over, we just got a color TV you can watch game seven over here. And this is a big deal because they had to mm-hmm. stay up late and everything. And so, um, Dino took uh, his two brothers and they, they went and watched the game. And, and Dino said he had a, um, tradition, a tradition in their household of standing during the national anthems. That was, that was, um, to provide good luck for the team and show respect for the anthem. And he didn't know if that was going to be the same the case in this friend's household, um, so he 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 was pretty shy to just stand up uh, in the yeah. middle. So he excused himself. He went to the washroom. He stood uh, the whole for the uh, entire Canadian anthem uh, in order to bring good luck. Uh, and I know when you know we're you're watching games. My brother and I used to do it. 
the way you sit, where you sit, how it all affected the game outcome, or yes. so we believed, right? Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> so Dino felt he had to stand for the anthem, bring the team good luck, game seven, Stanley Cup final. Um, Chicago had an early lead, 2 nothing in the first period, um, but Jacques Lemaire slap shot um, uh, made it 2-1. Um, and then it was Henri Richard uh, that tied the game uh, mm. uh, to make it uh, a 2-2 going into the third, 2-2 after, after two periods. Uh, then in the third period, Henri broke in on the left side. It was a right shot um, across the, uh, right across the crease um, and tucks it in past Tony Esposito. Um, it was 3-2 Canadians. Um, Chicago pressed, but but um, um, the Canadians stood strong and were able to win the, the Stanley Cup. Um, and he said the the elation uh, uh, and the 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 innocence and and the the sincerity and and how unbelievable it was that that Henri Richard had had uh, brought this win to. Um, these young fans that were gathered um, uh, to watch the game uh, for the first time watching on yeah. TV was just something he will never forget and, and, and will never forget. Uh, Honor Richard's part in that. Um, the, there's a, a number of other stories, but I'll just mention that um, uh, that Dino met uh, Honor Richard uh, once. Uh, when he was was uh, at an Ottawa 67s event, uh, Dino in the Ottawa area, uh, and he brought a signed poster for um, uh, the Pocket Rocket to sign. Um, and his his memory is of a of a of a very gentle man, very gentle mm. to to uh, young kids, kind, very soft spoken, um, and it's it's you know imprinted uh, on this Canadian fan and and. Uh, um, I'm, I'm sure that, that other uh, members of our listening audience will have uh, their yeah. own um, memories, and, and uh, we'd, love to, we'd love to hear those as well. Yeah, absolutely. And we thank Dino for sharing those uh, lovely stories celebrating uh, the man, Henri Richard, uh, after he, uh, the day after he passed away. But uh, Rick, um, after last segment, I mean, there's, there's a lot of conversation that's happening on social media right now, but I mean, when you look at some of the responses and uh, some of the posts, where do people on the All Habs fan page see the blame going in terms of the Montreal Canadiens this season? On our fa- uh, on the fan page, the All Habs fan page on Facebook, we have Bob Kyler that says uh, Julian uh, has clearly run out of answers, and we've heard the coach say that a couple of times that um, yeah <laughs> he doesn't have answers. Uh, Don Jonkis says that Julian is terrible with the prospects. Um, Mark Bazanson says Julian should have been fired a long time ago. Um, Claude Matei says, I'm a fan, but I'm, I'm really sad the way uh, this team is being directed, managed. Um, so that clearly seems to be at uh, Bergevin. Um, Michael Sabol says, um, Molson clearly loves Bergevin, and Julien uh, makes you almost want to root for the Leafs. Well, <laughs> don't Ooh. go that far, please. Oh, oh, oh. Don't, don't go that far, please. Um 
Stephen Livingstone says, hey, give them time. Bergevin is only on year eight of his five-year plan, so he's not buying the whole um, reset. Uh, reset thing. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, we have uh, uh, Jamie saying – Jamie. Balcom saying the team's pathetic, um, that uh, they should clean house. Um, it's a complete, the team is complete embarrassment and a joke. Uh, Frank Azadi is the last one I'll read. He says he's been a Habs fan since 1968. He's watched them win and lose, but he would never blame the players. Um, Mark Bergeron needs to go and uh, Julian needs to be replaced with Gallant if he's still available. Yeah, I mean that'd be a that'd be quite the get to get a Gerard Gallant, of course, the former coach of the Vegas Golden Knights and the Florida Panthers, who uh, the Montreal Canadiens will be playing tonight, and see if they can perhaps win back a couple more of those fans that might be on the edge, including the one that said they almost wants to root for the Leafs now. That one, goodness. Uh, <laughs> but they are going to be playing the Florida Panthers tonight. Charlie Lindgren going to be between the pipes. Uh, Brendan Gallagher skated, which is good news. That's that's great. Uh, he's dealing with the flu, of course. So maybe getting back uh, Brendan Gallagher will uh, will you know uh, give the Montreal Canadiens a little bit more fight uh, than uh, than we've seen, or at least than we saw against the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning in their last timeout. Uh, but Rick, uh, I guess we'll, uh, the, we'll the only pass other on the only other the only other game notes I'll add there, uh, two things is, um, the Canadians, uh, not a surprise that they've, they've added the number 16, um, decals. Yes. Did you say decals or decals? I don't know. Uh, de- I think uh, yeah, either or. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to their helmets, uh, for the game. Um, and, uh, the other thing is of note that it's Roberto Luongo night in, yeah. uh, at the, the BPN, BB&T Center in Sunrise, Florida, where it's uh, warmer than the chilly minus three that it is in Montreal. But it's it's the the first time that uh, the Panthers franchise has uh, uh, retired a number, and it's the number one of Roberto Luongo. So that'll be that'll be yeah. kind of fun pregame. Oh yeah, and I mean. Roberto Luongo's got such a great sense of humor. I feel like it's going to be something uh, something to see tonight uh, on Roberto Luongo night. But, uh, yeah, so we'll keep you posted on, obviously, if you follow along with All Habs on Twitter, uh, you get the game preview, you get the live tweeting, you get the game recap afterwards. Uh, the Laval Rocket idol um, tonight, and, uh, and it's not going to be a very active weekend for them, but you can certainly follow the AHL report as well and listen in to the From the Press Box podcast and uh, certainly you can follow you can find this podcast as well as from the press box on all your favorite podcast platforms overcast stitcher tune in spotify google play anywhere you find your podcast search for rocket sports radio hit that subscribe button uh, and you can find every uh, every episode in the back back episodes of, of these two podcasts as well if you want to revisit the early parts of this season for the montreal canadians uh, Rick, so I guess we'll say goodbye for another week here on the Canadians Connection podcast. So we'll be back with you next week, 1 p.m. Eastern. That is 2.30 Newfoundland time. Thank you for tuning in to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. For the latest news on the Montreal Canadiens, follow us on Twitter at Connection and visit allhabs.net.